10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you into the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Game week, finally here. A-State football opening the season Saturday. Grambling State will be in here for a 6 o'clock kickoff. Brad and I got to go to a pretty cool event this past Thursday to kind of get it all going. The preseason kickoff banquet used to be the touchdown club Mm -hmm. banquet, but now it's the preseason kickoff banquet. And it was a lot different than in years past. They held it inside the Student Activity Center. It was a different look for the event. I thought it went really well. There were some cool moments kind there of were. being around the team. What do you mean? Oh, oh, you're talking about temperature-wise. Cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was the one up on stage sweating <laughs> in the suit all night. Okay, so there were that, okay, that kind of cool yeah, moment. Yeah, 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 you're right. There were those. <laughs> but... <laughs> Cool probably isn't the best <laughs> word to describe that night being in the indoor. But uh, I, I thought, and, and you and I talked about this on your show Friday, one of the best moments of the night was Coach Jones getting on stage early in the program and calling freshman place kicker Dominic Zavada to the stage. And Dom had no idea why he was coming up there. And Coach Jones, as soon as he... Got on stage, had Dom kind of introduce himself, and I thought he did a good job on the spot, kind of no warning, yeah, saying where he was from, and he was a freshman and enjoying his first year at Arkansas State, and then Coach Jones gets back on the mic and says, Dominic, are you on scholarship? And he says, No, sir, I'm a walk on. And Coach Jones said, Well. You're on scholarship now. Yeah. And the reaction from the team was incredible. They all got on their feet, started cheering for Dominic Zabata. Everybody everybody did. I and I thought that was just an amazing moment seeing young Dominic Zavada, who, if you've seen him practice, has earned that scholarship. He's gonna be a big part of the A State special teams this year. But yeah, he received that on stage the other night. We had never had the band and the spirit squads at that event either, and they both were there to perform. Yeah, that was one of the cool aspects about having it in the Student Activity Center, in the indoor, is that uh, the band could be there, and there was room to spread out, right? So they had plenty of room. They could get in there, and they played. And as you said, spirit squads cheered and performed. You know, I I was there with uh, the company my wife works for, sitting at their table. So I'm going through the line my wife, and... She says something about, well, I, I can't believe they built this thing and it's not air conditioned. I said, dear, this was built for functionality, not comfort. <laughs> this is for a place to come and have football <laughs> practice. They're not worried about the climate control other than being able to come in out of the rain, basically. You don't forget, I mean, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Yeah, it'd be a heck of a bill to keep that place cool all the time. <laughs> I can see Coach stopping, you know, blowing whistles, stopping practice. Is everybody okay with the temperature? We can knock that thing down a degree or two if we need to. Up, oh, everybody good? Yeah. It was a good night, though. One of my 
other favorite moments of the evening included a players-only panel on stage. Uh, I was able to interview four of the student-athletes on stage, T.W. Ayers, James Blackman, Johnny Lang, and Justin Parks, and kind of a good lead-up to game week, which of course is this week. We'll talk more about A-State and Grambling State a little bit later on, but Look, this is only the second time these two teams have have ever met. The first time was the 1985 1AA playoffs, a game that was actually played here in Jonesboro. A-State won 10-7, but I thought the coolest note was the head coaches of that game, the great Larry Lacewell and one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football, Eddie Robinson. Yeah, the photo of Coach Lacewell and Bear Bryant makes the rounds because he's Bear Bryant, because they're basically from the same hometown and this and that. So sometimes it might overshadow is not the right term, but it may get used more to say that you know, Eddie Robinson came to town and brought Grambling State with him for a playoff game with Larry Lacewell. That's a pretty iconic uh, duo and image as well. And yeah, it hadn't happened since. Are there any photos out there of I don't, I those know. two together I, I, that day? I think day? so. I, mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen one, but would be neat to find one, especially leading up to the game on Saturday. Speaking of head coaches, of course, Saturday begins year two for Butch Jones at Arkansas State. And it's year one for Hugh Jackson at Grambling. And Hugh Jackson, a very familiar name throughout not just the college, but the pro football world he's a former head coach of a couple of different nfl teams the browns and the raiders has been offensive coordinator for a handful of nfl teams as well and was the oc back in the day for usc and he was actually the one that recruited matt leinert and carson palmer to usc but two good head coaches on the sidelines this saturday as well grambling you know, they made a big investment, right? I mean, they, it, they've got so much tradition and history and a lot of that tied into Eddie Robinson and as a player, Doug Williams and some of those guys. But that only gets you so far, right? They're trying to build the next level of their history. And they made a big investment in Hugh Jackson. And, yeah, this is where his era gets started, Saturday night. Meanwhile, the volleyball team off to a 2-1 and one start. They began their season by taking two out of three in the A-State Invitational over the weekend. Swept Mississippi Valley in their first match on Friday, then lost in five sets to St. Louis later on Friday, but then came back Saturday, had a comeback win over Little Rock, one in five sets. They were down 2-1 to one after three sets, ended up winning the last two to come back and you love to OVC it, don't you, wouldn't you? <laughs> you do. Beat Little Rock in something, especially give them a little false hope, put them up two sets to one, come roaring back and, and win, honestly, the, the fifth set pretty convincingly. Yeah, I don't think uh, them being out of the league is going to make the feeling of beating Little Rock <laughs> feel any worse. No. So. <laughs> Uh, so volleyball again, uh, two and one to begin the year. Soccer now one two and one to begin the season. Kind of a heartbreaking tie. Yeah. Last Thursday, tying Northwestern State. Northwestern State at one apiece. scored with seventeen seconds left in the match, and there's no more overtime in college soccer in the regular season. So that's it. So yeah. that was it. So Northwestern State able to get the tie with that. Last-minute goal, and then, yeah, you know, they go to uh, Arkansas 
took on the Razorbacks Sunday, and you know that's a Arkansas team that's won the SEC the last three seasons, and they ended up falling short in that game four to one. So soccer now has some more non-conference games at home before cranking up conference play here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that was their lone non-conference road match in yeah. Fayetteville Sunday against as you said, you know, legit top ten program. Uh, so when there's no shame in that game, so I'm not concerned about Coach Dooley and and the soccer program. By the way, that Northwestern State they were defending, they champs. were a defending champion and a tournament champion, and had the reigning conference of, uh, player of the year in their league who didn't start, came in as a sub. You don't see that happen very no. often. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus back to football. Our good friend Brandon Baxter, who's back once again to serve as the in-game host at Centennial Bank Stadium for A-State football games, will join us right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We have a special guest in studio today. It's a very good friend of ours from... Arkansas's morning show on 107.9 K-Fine, and we've got a whole bunch yeah. of other stations that show's on now. And this week, he's going to be jumping back into a role that he's been in for how many years now? This is going into my eighth year as the in-game host for Arkansas State football. The in-game host at Centennial Bank Stadium for Arkansas State football. It's Brandon Baxter. Yeah, I would thank everybody that made Brandon's visit possible. And by that, I mean all the people who said no, they couldn't do the podcast <laughs> See, I this knew week. That. I knew it when I got the text. <laughs> I knew that they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> No, but see, Matt's you good, though. You weren't supposed to tell him that, Bobo. Matt's pretty good, though, because he, he positions it well. I mean, here we are. You know, you are the in-game host of football, and it's just so fitting to talk to you on game week. And I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> no, but hey, you know, one of the things about me doing Arkansas State football, if we rewind back to 2015, uh, I do believe that, you know, you were very much instrumental in getting me the opportunity to do something that has turned into something that's been a whole lot of fun for me, which is uh, to be down there on the field and be a part of game day. I don't remember that. Yeah, it seems like, uh, who were we talking to at that point? Uh, Brenna. Brenna was actually okay. in charge of marketing. And I believe you came in and you know they were looking for somebody to come in and, and basically take over the microphone during the game. So uh, I got the opportunity to essentially audition and uh, I was scared to death. And it's a... It- provides yet another sort of level or layer to that relationship between Arkansas State and East Arkansas broadcasters, and a lot of that's well-documented. If you, over the last 20 years, have ever needed to or wanted to or enjoyed listening to an Arkansas State broadcast on the radio, well, you've got Bobby Caldwell, the owner of East Arkansas Broadcasters, to thank for it because he didn't own all the stations he owns now in the market then and you've got to go all the way back to 2003 to find a time where nobody who owned a radio station in jonesboro wanted to put arkansas state on it and see interestingly enough i was here when that was happening 
as a part of the Clear Channel organization. And I remember the discussions were coming up, you know, do we want to retain the rights to carry Arkansas State football? And at that point, it was just uh, nobody knew how to monetize it. Uh, it was a different time in A-State athletics, and, and we let it go. And, and I believe other media around the area turned it down as well. So at, at that point, it looked like there wasn't going to be anything for Arkansas State. And then enter Bobby Caldwell. They sure would like to have it now, though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, everybody wants to be a part of Arkansas State now. They but do. back then, they didn't. But back then, Bobby Caldwell knew he was kind of taking over a, a passion project. Mm-hmm. And he cared so much about getting Arkansas State a signal in the Jonesboro area that he created a signal. He leased a station, which back then was 103.9 Earl FM. Wow. Yeah, so he went and leased a signal he just, so, that just signal. so the games could be heard in Jonesboro. And he knew out of the gate it, it was going to lose money. Right. And it's turned into what it is now, a 20-station network and one of the bigger ones in the entire group of five. But it, it's something that, that yes – You've seen grow from the very beginning, and now, and I'm glad I did say something back in 2015, because you're such a big part of what we do at East Arkansas Broadcasters, but at the same time, you're tied in with Arkansas State Athletics now through what you do on game days, and you do a great job, and one of your primary reasons for being there is to hype up the crowd, and I know... Especially early in the season, it's got to be a, a lot of fun when you get big crowds and yep. people are coming back to the stadium. I'm sure this has got to be exciting for you, kind of going into the first game week. No, it's always the most nerve-wracking game of the season. I'll never forget 2015. The first home game of that season was uh, Arkansas State versus Missouri. And, and the big talk was, <laughs> oh, this is going to be one of the biggest crowds in a long time. And here I am heading into uh, the first game. I remember sitting in here with Kelly Perry and David the Barrel Boy, and I told them, I don't know if I can do this because I was psyching myself out the longer, the closer we got to the football game because I knew that there was, uh, you know, it's number one, it's different management. Uh, number two, 25, 30,000 people in a stadium. And I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. You know, that stuff's kind of created and I kind of understand it better now. But yeah, the first game of the season, every season is almost like the fighters got to get in the ring and take the first punch. And then all of a sudden everything kind of levels out. Now I'm going to this and it's going to make, we're very transparent here, so I'm going to make my boy Stoltz here nervous because oh he's scared to death that we'll hijack <laughs> well, this and turn it into a wrestling conversation. No, I'm not. <laughs> Brandon and I should have and could have started a wrestling podcast a long time ago, but that's yep. neither here nor there. But I do want to say, because what you do, the skill set you put on display as the in-game host at Arkansas State, especially kind of the first thing you do a game. It's a direct callback to your time in professional wrestling. And it, so your whole career, I think, kind of goes back to that. So I want people to just know that part kind of, I mean, it, it's a crazy story. Yeah. Kind of when somebody puts you on the air for the first time and why. Yeah, so I was a huge wrestling fan, and I grew up in Dallas, and there was uh, a company there at the time, the Global Wrestling Federation, that had ESPN television. And it was, I mean, imagine now if you could get ESPN at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, five days a week. I mean, that's prime real estate. And at that point, that was a wrestling show. And as a wrestling fan, they were having people do fan comments. And I'm not even going to say that I was good, but I think I had a different type of uh, look for the television show. And I was approached by a guy named Video Bob the next week. And I thought it was kind of a joke because he said, hey, we're interested in adding a young person to the show because our show airs right when people get out of school. Would you want to do a segment on ESPN five days out of the week? 
And of course, I thought, hey, this is the greatest thing of all time. As a, as a wrestling fan, I was 14 years old and I was getting the chance to break in on ESPN. 14. We, that, we, it's incredible. Blows my mind. Yeah. Well, and imagine, you know, uh, my son's about to turn 13. Yeah. I can't imagine saying, hey, in a year, you're going to be on ESPN and the pressure that comes with that. I was in wrestling dressing rooms where most people were 35 to 45 years old and I was 14. Um, and those stories, I mean, so many of the things that I was, <laughs> I was allowed to do and I was a part of, um, back then when I was that young would have people put in jail today. <laughs> you know, you couldn't do some of the stuff and be on the road with the guys and stuff like that. But I found this group of people that really took good care of me and allowed me to grow and learn how to. And I think the great thing about wrestling is so much of it's ad lib. And that's what comes in so handy on game day, because it's such a fluid situation when you're out there on the field. You know, sometimes you have a, a one minute bit that all of a sudden becomes 30 seconds or something doesn't go right. The camera, the camera's not in the right spot or your guest isn't in the, in the right spot. And you have to be able to ad lib and, and make it look like that's the way it's supposed to be. And I think that's what wrestling was able to give me is the ability to kind of ad lib and do stuff on the fly. And in the first thing you do at a game you know it's essentially you're cutting a promo so your comfort level of just knowing you're talking into that camera whether there's a hundred people in the stadium already or ten thousand, it doesn't freak you out i mean and i mean it doesn't freak you out that nobody's in there or it doesn't freak you out there's a lot of people in there because you you've got that skill set now that you're just kind of talking into that camera yeah so when you think about what i did you know so when i start the espn thing typically we were in an empty building before the show started or after when i would record or i was doing channel five wrestling in memphis and you know you're talking to the camera because yeah there's a couple hundred people in the studio but we're really talking to the mid-south so i look at that the same way for a state football of course i love it when the stadium already has a bunch of people in there but you know there were times during the pandemic where it was pretty light 30 minutes out because that's when they've had me scheduled to start uh, but that energy has to be the same. And, and that's kind of like my spot where it's like, you got to bring the energy. You want to get these people up. You want to get them excited uh, and let them know this game's about to be going. At the same point, sometimes I get myself so jacked up. There was a time last season where I came up so hard and I was boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden I'm like, ooh, I'm lightheaded. I'm about to pass out in front of everybody. <laughs> and that would have been a disaster. Well, look, you mentioned you start at 14 years old. That kind of takes you out of any other sports that you possibly wanted to play, right? Yeah, and I was little. The weird thing about me, and I don't look as small now as I did back then, but you know, when I was a kid, my mom and my grandmother, uh, my father passed away when I was real young, so they took me uh, to a doctor to see why I wasn't growing. Uh, and then they thought maybe it was my asthma medicine. So I always had the excuse in PE that either I couldn't run, I couldn't do this because I had asthma and I was too little. Uh, but I think most of that was more fear of getting hit, <laughs> which is weird because then I go into wrestling and get hit by with chairs and fall on concrete. Makes zero sense. But at least I felt like I was in control of those of those movements, right? Uh, and with football, especially when I watch the team practice today, I'm watching these young guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, and they're flying across that field in an empty stadium. Uh, and I can tell you that's so much harder. It's hard to practice when the crowd's not there. The adrenaline is so much different when there are people in the stands, when the band is there. Yeah. It's just a different level. So to see these guys that uh, are on this team now, and they're flying through practice, and you're watching somebody catch a pass, and you know somebody's there to tackle them right there at the goal line or take them out of bounds it's incredible the physicality that they're going through not even on game day just to get ready for the game and it had to be such a challenge for you the last two years the COVID season and then even last year folks were were not all the way back yet COVID was still very much a thing 
a year ago. You really have to do more than you did before to try to provide some sense of energy in the stadium. Right. There were games we didn't have the band in the right. stadium. Yeah, and there were games where you know you look back on it in hindsight, and you're like, well, there wasn't a whole lot of energy in the stadium in general. Uh, and now for the big plays, obviously people come up for the big plays, but we would love the energy to be there for the entire game uh, from the time people walk in through the turnstiles until the game is over. So yeah, it's been it's been a challenge. Obviously, that also limited what we could do on the field. And my favorite stuff that we've done as a part of being the in-game host was some of the contesting on the field that was interactive. You know, if you were going to have people sing or they were going to throw a ball through through a goal or, or whatever the, the game was going to be, because people can play along with that as opposed to me just you know, getting up there and kind of being in people's face or something like that and kind of uh, just being loud or, or doing a read. Those interactive games, people always come up for those because they want to cheer on somebody to success. So hopefully as we go into this upcoming season, and maybe Brad can give us some indication as to what that looks like, because I don't know yet. You know, here we are a couple of days before the game. I'm not sure what the interactivity is going to be this season, but I hope we get back to that. No, Do you I got know? nothing for you, no. <laughs> we were. Isn't at- that a part of your department? <laughs> We were at the preseason kickoff banquet the other night, and one thing that Jeff Purinton mentioned when he got onto the stage was that we will have Hal back on the motorcycle this year. Still the hope. That's still the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kids love that, and the adults love it too. So, and I love the uh, the addition over the last couple of seasons. And it's weird because the addition of the pyro has happened in the COVID in the COVID era. Uh, you know, but the idea that we have these big flames coming out as the team runs through and all that stuff, uh, it's just excitement that we're creating. Can I sidetrack for a second? Because I host a show too. So now, but I want to sidetrack no, just for a second. You're trying to take over yeah. now, huh? I just, just for a second, because <laughs> no, this is ahead. something that we had fun with the like other day. Like if somebody, you invite somebody for supper and they bring an overnight bag. It's <laughs> <laughs> all we got. <laughs> but, no, but this is, we, we all laughed about this. And I think it's fun to share. The other night for, what did you, how did you term the, the event that you hosted last week? What are we calling it now? It's the preseason kickoff banquet. So the kickoff banquet, you know where I'm going? Uh, yeah, where everybody's stooged. Stoltz, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Where they didn't tell him yeah. what to wear? Nobody smartened him up. <laughs> this is a great story. <laughs> so, yeah, I never <laughs> I never got the memo as far as what to wear to the banquet the other day. And I show up and look, we held it in the Student Activity Center, which was really neat. But at the same time, there, there's no air conditioning in there. Right. And even though the sun's starting to go down, it was extremely hot. And... In the past, any time I've hosted a banquet, it was fitting to wear a suit. Sure. So, I was wearing my suit, and (laughs) Coach Jones, Jeff Purinton, our new chancellor, Dr. Shields, everybody's got a polo on. (laughs) And I told Brad on his show the other day that the only other person in the kickoff banquet that was wearing a suit, can you guess who it was? Oh, gosh. Who else would have had one on? Bobby Caldwell. Of course. (laughs) Me and Bobby Caldwell were the only ones at the banquet to wear a suit the other night. Bobby Caldwell wears a suit to bed. Did you know that? I think he does. He would have have had, you know... He would have had Kelly Danfuss there with, you know, that'd have yeah. been a guaranteed that, suit. That was always safe. You know, Kelly was going to have one. Terry Mahajer would wear suits right. to, to banquets in the past. But by the way, I I don't know that uh, I don't know if Bobby wears a suit to bed. You and and it was safe because listen, Bobby Caldwell, who we've already mentioned once, owns these these EAB stations. He doesn't hunt or fish. He doesn't play golf. So he's kind of got two things. He 
collects radio stations right. and and dresses <laughs> immaculately. He really likes to dress nice. It's his thing. It's a, I think he has seersucker pajamas. Yeah, is what <laughs> Lance Russell, right? <laughs> I think it was a seersucker suit. He the did other have night. a seersucker <laughs> suit on it. I mean, he it, did, and he looks like a million bucks. I mean, I say it with the most affection possible. And Brad named him the the best dressed man in radio a long time ago and there's no doubt about it he goes to conventions all over the country and and they know what they're going to get when they see bobby caldwell they know for sure now but you mentioned though because brad was at this event what was brad wearing i was wearing a short sleeve quarter zip like 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 everybody else so your buddy over here didn't give you the heads up no he he didn't tell me anything i I mean i'd have thought Here's what, here's what, like, I, I would You assume t- they'd tell the MC. <laughs> you would think. I would assume you didn't need told. I didn't need told that it was in the Student Activity Center and it was going to be hot as balls. I mean, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't need a special memo for that. I just kind of <laughs> figured it out. At what point, Matt, did you realize I might have overdressed for this? As, as soon as I walked in the door. <laughs> I love that. I was I was drenched when I got out of there the other night, but it was still a great event. Yeah. And, and so I know we got Arkansas State fans listening to this. So let me touch on that very quickly. There's because the big question among people going is how come that thing is in here? Well, there's I'd say there's two things. Number one, the optics. It's a cool visual to have that event right yep. there where they practice. Right. The other thing is it's raising money for the football program. That event, I'd say it's too big for the club level of the stadium. It's outgrown that. Mm-hmm. And so the place where you can have it and still and, and not spend the money you're trying to raise is inside the Student Activity sure. Center. And one of the coolest parts about the night, when people came in, they came in through the football facility. They got to go in all the different rooms. We had stuff going on everywhere throughout the course yeah, of the, the whole football building facility. Was wide open. And even afterwards, there was an overtime reception in the locker room. Yep. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Yep. So, so I, I thought that was a really neat yeah, A lot touch. of people you know, got in there and got to go through that. I mean, still, a lot of people are doing it for the first time. No, I went through for the first time last, I guess it was last season. It's incredible. And for anybody who hasn't seen what that looks like and what uh, that fundraising has done for this university, the football complex is incredible. It really is incredible. All right. So we've talked about what you do inside of A-State home games. I also want to talk about a relationship that has come about over the last couple of years now with you and Butch Jones. Right. Right. Random, and, right? And look, yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. The answer but that question is, is yes. Brad and I are we're great with Coach Jones. Yeah. Really, really like him a lot. We have a fantastic relationship and have enjoyed working with him to this point. But it's not typical for you to bond as much with one of our head coaches as you have with Coach Jones. Kind of tell us how that happened. You know, it's weird because I don't even really know. I remember, you know, the first thing, let's if we can really be, let's be fully discreet. Uh, you know, I was not nearly as good of friends with Blake Anderson as you guys were, but I thought Blake and I had a pretty good relationship, right? And he would come in and we would laugh and we would text every once in a while. So when he was leaving, and I remember I was on the air on K-Fine when we talked about him leaving, and I got emotional because just his story oh, yeah. his story touched me. He was nice to me, and he was nice to uh, my co-host. So we see the story that Butch Jones is coming in, and I remember seeing on, on KIT a video of him leaving the football complex. And Butch has a tendency sometimes to look like he's fired up when he's not fired up. He's intense. <laughs> 
Uh, and he was coming out. And I remember telling my wife, Leslie, I'm like, oof. I'm not sure this is going to be anything like Blake, you know, because everybody had a pretty good relationship with Blake. Um, and then the first time we were going to interview Butch, I think it was Jerry Scott, he wanted us to send every question in because Butch, you know, has had uh, media problems in some places before. So he wanted to see what we were going to ask. And I'm one of the guys, I don't really know what I'm going to ask until I ask it. So I sent some bogus questions in, and I remember telling David the Barrel Boy, you know, hey, if, if he doesn't want to do the show, maybe he just doesn't have to do the show. I don't know what I'm going to ask. So here I am big timing, right? Uh, but we had Butch on the first time and it was, it was a pretty good experience. And then I ran into him at the Stan Jones Mallard Lodge and we had the chance to kind of connect oh, off-site. Right. Yeah. You guys went hunting together. Well, this is, this is a different event because I went hunting with, uh, with Dampus and, and Applin. Uh, but That's this, right. Okay. And, and the former AD. Uh, but so then Butch and I, we were at a different event and I can't even remember what event it was. We had the chance to kind of connect uh, and step away. And I'm not sure what the bond was, but we both kind of felt it. And we were talking testosterone, and <laughs> random type of stuff. And then I guess we went to a couple of those coaches shows and we just became kind of friendly. And I think one of the reasons he, maybe he likes me is because we don't talk as much football. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, for, to so many of he's his like, people, he's talking football. can I talk to? It's not going to. Who doesn't know any? Yeah, who's not going to ask me one <laughs> question about a player, a position. Oh, Baxter. Yeah. A, so maybe I'm the safe guy because it's kind of off the path of what he's used to. Well, and he will text you quite a bit while you're on the air, right? He oh, yeah. listens to the morning show. Yeah, and then that was one thing I thought that was really cool. And I didn't realize how engaged he was in the show until you were doing one of your shows, um, the coach's show. At Lost Pizza. Yeah, you guys would come out to the show. But he just randomly shouted out, hey, I listen every morning. And it was like this great this great bit and this great soundbite that we could use forever when he said he listens to the show. And then, you know, my wife has become friends, and I have too, with, with Coach's wife, Barb. And it just is a pretty neat little relationship and one that I think is special. By the way, she's great too. No, she's awesome. Oh, she, yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Just think about what, what the wife of a head coach has to put up with. Because I've talked to her no. and I've talked to his kids about what it was like, you know, leaving uh, not the Alabama experience, but the Tennessee experience and what that was like being there through that. You know, there were good times in Tennessee. And then uh, toward the end, it was a little bit rough. Uh, and he's he's been really open and his family has about some of the challenges of living in a market where the media is kind of flipped and the stories flipped and that affects everybody in the family. We've even talked to his, his youngest son, Andrew, about what he remembers seeing living in Tennessee. And uh, I think that's one of the things they love about here is that people have been really great about welcoming this coaching staff in uh, and they feel like this is a great place they can call home. Now. Well, yeah, it's a family affair with him because you, you look at the staff, one of the offensive assistants is his son, Alex, yep. his son, Adam is, a receiver on the team and and you mentioned Andrew his youngest son is at Valley View he's playing on the high school team over there so yeah it it is a football family they've embraced Jonesboro to this point and I think it's it's pretty neat that you and coach Jones have formed that kind of relationship and Obviously, he's a country music fan. He is. And oh, and he tries to bust out his phone and pull out numbers all the time, trying to make me uh, jealous about who he's going to text. That's right. So I was going to bring that up. <laughs> he, he has a lot of relationships with country music stars just through his previous stops, right? I mean, when you think that he's been in both Tennessee and Alabama, I mean, he was able to become friends with people like Thomas Redd and Luke Bryan. And uh, he remembers Morgan Wallen coming through and, and all these different people that, you know, obviously he had access 
success too. And you know, he was a big time coach. He's a big time coach that people that people want to associate with. So one of his visions eventually is to to, to do more country uh, and country music, you know, locally. As far as hey, hey, maybe I should reach out to Thomas Red and see if he wants to come play something. <laughs> like how cool would that be? You know, it's a text away. So. You've given him a hard time. In fact, I heard you, you know, we're recording this on Monday. I, I heard you this morning kind of giving him a hard time about <laughs> you know, missing a concert. He drove somewhere to try to catch a, a show, and right before he got there, the show got canceled. Is that right? He took the whole family to Tuscaloosa to a Thomas Rhett show. Thomas was going to play an amphitheater, and they got all the way there, and Butch is posting his pictures like, hey, look, here's me and TR, and he's all excited, and right before the show, lightning came and canceled the concert. <laughs> now, what he will tell you after the fact, because he made sure to point this out to me, but I don't tell this story on the air, was that uh, he was hanging out on the bus with Thomas Rhett, and after that, they looked over and said, hey, can we find a gig to go and play, a place so we can go play? And, you know, Butch had connections in, in Tuscaloosa, and they found a smaller venue uh, and invited some of the fans a real quick pop uh, pop up type show, oh, wow. which of course he's right on the side of the stage. But that story where he has the redemption part of the story doesn't make as good of a radio story, <laughs> so I don't share that part. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. They still had a show that night. No, and he showed me some videos. Of course, he's right there on the side of the stage, and you know it's probably a venue that holds five hundred people. So if you think oh, this show was going to have ten thousand, but five hundred got a very intimate show inside a little tiny bar, yeah, you know, it was a it's a cool experience to be able to be a part of that. Well, this has been cool. Just kind of gearing up for game week with the in-game host. I know you're excited to get going once again. I'm excited to see what this team is going to look like. There's so many fresh bodies, and I know you guys are much more tuned in to to who's coming from where. You know, I've had the chance to do a couple of recruit things. Um, but, you know, as far as to be able to see them practice, I know you've been to most of the practices. And uh, just to see what they're going to look like on the field, because I think all of us look at last season and say, okay, that was a learning experience. Nobody was content with what we saw last season. So what's going to happen on Saturday? That's a big, big question. Appreciate you, buddy. This has been fun. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Even though I was the last option, I appreciate it. You did good anyway. (laughs) Thank you. I noticed. What? You know, Stoltz always, you know, he lays out some talking points. Mm -hmm. We're going to breeze past this last one. Oh, well, that's right. You, You are... That's you sick. are going to be working for Bobo now on game days. And see, that is I think <laughs> that's the only reason he took the gig at Arkansas State was he wanted to finally be able to tell me what to do. Yes. Like literally, if, if we want to rewind to our relationship, we first met, I guess, in 2001, right? Somewhere in there, yeah. I was a part-timer at uh, KDRS Radio in Paragould, right? Uh, and at that point, I was splitting my time between a Jonesboro group and that station in Paragould. And Brad was a part of the the newspaper, right? An so, online newspaper? Yeah, they, they had started an online newspaper. And then at that point, it's probably what that was. Yeah, just the online newspaper. And, and my, my sports talk career started with they trusted me with an entire hour a week. <laughs> I did Wednesday, five to six. <laughs> Eventually, that exploded all the way to an hour a day. I did seven to eight every morning. But yeah, it started because they had, they started back then, we're talking 2001, they started an online newspaper that they didn't have the good sense to keep going. And yep. you fast forward, can you imagine an online newspaper in this market that had been now established itself from a credibility standpoint for 20 years? Yep. How big that thing would be right now? No, and they had great vision oh, yeah. for that. It was a great place for me to get started. And I ran the IMUS morning show on the AM station. The news host at the time was Randy Myers, who's also on our oh, station, wow. The Ticket. So Randy Myers and I were in the studio together on the morning of 
Um, mm. And I remember he had, he had walked out and I remember looking up at the TV and the monitor in the room and I said, hey, Randy, something's going on with the World Trade Center. And by the time he came back in to get ready to update us on whatever that was, we saw that second plane. So we'll forever be linked together. And on 9-11, we always have a little text exchange, me and Randy, about uh, those moments early in the morning in 2001. That is, though, I would show up there and he's running IMS. And it, it bugs me. But like, I walk in and I immediately know who that is from wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, oh, my gosh. But it was such a... a I know it's going to be the start of that. <laughs> but, but when you think about, you know, a producer of a syndicated morning show, I didn't have that big of a role <laughs> at that radio station, you know, but it was, a, it was a great foot in the door to what then became a, a morning opportunity on KISS FM. And then 2015, man, it came uh, time for me to move to K-Fine in Arkansas State. So really, that was a transformative fall, August of 2015, as we headed into that first season. And here we go again, kicking off season number eight. Well, if you get upset and want to quit mid-season, we probably know why. Oh, yeah, it's going to be Brad. He's going to yeah. want my job. This is what I know is about to happen. He's going to force me out <laughs> because he wants to be the in-game host. I can tell you, I do not. <laughs> You'll have plenty to do. I, I do not want to be the in-game host. Have we talked about what Brad's actual role is going to be during the game, though? Do we Have you guys talked about that? No, he's going to be one of the busiest people in the stadium. No, that's, that is a job that is... It's, it's so, not the busiest. It's so important, and if something goes wrong, everybody's mad at that person. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's where all the, all the commercials and everything that happens outside of the actual game is basically funneling through Brad's headphones. It's going to be, it's going to be intense. You ready for it? For the record, just so you, people listening know before you get there Saturday, I'm just sort of observing Saturday, right? <laughs> Anything goes wrong Saturday, do not blame Bobo. Right. But after game one, it's all on him. The, the only right. thing I want to get credit for, and, and I told Jeff Pierrington this in that reception you mentioned in the locker room after yeah. the banquet, because he stood on the stage at, at the banquet and he said, hey, we're planning on bringing Hal back on the motorcycle. And uh, when I've been making a list of things I wanted to address at Arkansas State, get Hal back on the motorcycle was was on my list. Yeah. So when I get there, I figured that they'd already been talking about it. They're already working to that end. And I told him at the end, I said, you know, I understand that these people are, you know, they're very invested in the program and they should get some extra info. But I was hoping he didn't tell them about how on the motorcycle because I wanted them to just show up and him right out there and they think it was my, they think I did it. But he showed right up and started getting this stuff done, Jack. He just wants the credit for the idea. I'm excited though. Yeah. Football is here, man. I said, I haven't met Dr. Shields. I guess both of you have met Dr. Shields. We met him the other night. Yeah. All right. Look, can I read you my first message to him? Okay. I haven't met him yet. Tell me if this is an uh, improper way to start this. I start my message with, hey, dude. Is that a good way to start with somebody I've never with, met? With the chancellor of a university. Yeah, sure. is that a good one? Hey, hey it's, dude. It's or, Dr. Dude. Dr. Dude. Okay. No, I'll do better next time. <laughs> hey, dude. Brandon Baxter, our dude, joining <laughs> us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. We're wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Taking a look at the week ahead in A-State Athletics. 
Soccer will be back in action Sunday. They'll be hosting Little Rock Sunday at 2. Volleyball is going to be in Martin, Tennessee. They'll play in the Skyhawk Invitational when they take on Western Illinois, Alabama A&M, and UT Martin. Those matches will be played Saturday and Sunday. And, of course, the big event on campus Saturday at 6 as A-State football kicks off the season against Grambling State. Our coverage over on the EAB Red Wolf Sports Network from Learfield, including our flagship home, 1079 K-Fine, begins at 4. game will be televised on ESPN+. Plus, but, hey, we want to see you there. Yeah. And Bobo in his new role now. I really want to see you there. <laughs> really wants to see you there. That's right. You're, and we talked about it with Brandon. This is a week where you're kind of observing as much as anything, mm-hmm. and then you'll take over running game day after that. Yeah, and we just look. I understand. Like, there's more. Like, number one, there's more competition for people's time and money than ever. Number two, you're fighting a thing where you just had two seasons where, in some way, shape, or form, attendance was impacted. People's ability or willingness to go was impacted because of COVID. And you couple that. You couple two with two seasons where there was some kind of limitation with two seasons you didn't have winning records and now all of a sudden you you got those things happening at the same time right makes a pretty good challenge so hopefully people can crank it back up with us look would it be great to have that place full absolutely that's the goal what we found over the years though i mean especially i mean i spend a lot of time standing on that sideline place doesn't have to be full to be loud no that place can be half full and be loud as long as the people that got it full decide they're going to come be a part of the game i don't want you to show up at six o'clock saturday night and watch it and watch the game don't come saturday night with the sole intention of watching the game come saturday night with the intention of impacting it because it it's it's easy to do from a fan standpoint more so than i think people realize so we're recording this on your first official day Mm -hmm. in your new job but Last week had to be a little bit overwhelming just with your final show last Friday and all the people that reached out to you and obviously a show that you've done for the last nine years every single weekday afternoon. Yeah, overwhelming right. I mean, I had about from from that last show, especially you look at it had been eight days since it gotten out. I was going to Arkansas State and and it was I mean, that's actually the word it was overwhelming how nice people were uh, it just and the and not just how, but just how many of them there were i mean just didn't couldn't go somewhere without somebody pushing their cart by and telling you congratulations yeah. people were so just so nice and, and so like by the time this weekend rolled around and i was playing in the golf tournament and people wanted to come by and talk about like i was the point like like i'm tired of talking about it. let's <laughs> You know, let's go to work here, and and I mean, thank you very much, but let's, you know, let's roll. And so, you know, getting through that show, I, I didn't know what to expect, honestly, about that show. And so, uh, and I talked about it later in the weekend on social media. I honestly, the the show part would have gone pretty good. You came in there and talked, and and honestly, we're probably would both now with it behind us be willing to admit that we got through it because we really just I, I would say we probably just didn't look at one another very often <laughs> while we're sitting in there talking. Sure. So you get through that. I couldn't have told you like going into it like, and I somebody specifically asked me at the banquet Thursday night, think you'll cry tomorrow on the show? I mean, that was somebody to ask that specific question, 
I said, I don't know. I wouldn't be. I mean, I wasn't going to be surprised if it happened a lot, but it wasn't happening. I was keeping it together. And I come out of the break right at the end of the second hour of the show of the three. So right at the end of the four o'clock hour, I've got like three minutes until the break hits to end the hour. And there are all three phone lines are on hold. The first two, you will, Oswald, our great producer, told me who they were and said the third one was a surprise. And so we get through the first two with enough time to get to the last one. And so I, I don't know who it is. All right, who's this? Hi, uh, this is Brian from Kansas City, is what the guy says. <laughs> Brian from Kansas City. Okay, what's up, Brian? Well, I just, I mean, it's the first time I've ever, ever called a sports talk show. So I'm not real sure what to do next. I feel like I'm supposed to rip on coaches and officials. Is that how this goes? <laughs> That's, that's, that's exactly what you do. And, and so if you don't know, and you're listening to this, you yeah. probably do, it's Brian Boyer. Sure. And uh, who, in in doing his games for 12 years and the years since then, I mean, he's one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. He's living in Kansas City, running a, a basketball training facility. So he goes through his little bit. and But then, like, I hear his voice break. Now, he called me on my show, and I'm going, <laughs> okay. And I can hear his voice kind of tremble. Yeah. And I'm like, well, well, hell. And now, so now I'm, How am I not supposed to cry And now? so then that, that was the first time it got me, but it was right at the end of the hour. So, and by the way, I found out since he timed it out that way because he thought there's the only way he'd get through it if it was oh, real quick wow. at the end of the hour. At 5.30, Paige shows up with my boys. Mm-hmm. It's still the tough one. And we're still going along good. We get through the end of the show and all the thank yous to people being so nice. The show goes off the air. And uh, hang on one second. My nine-year-old, my seven-year-old have tears in their eyes. Mm. So you can guess what happened. Well, sure. What happened right now. Well... I think a lot of it, too. I mean, talk about your nine-year-old and your seven-year-old. Brody and Stuart, see how much it means to you on a daily basis and how much you put into it. So, Well, it's all, it. and it's all they've, like, it's the only job they've ever known I had, right? Sure. I mean, I came, to, I came to EAB when Brody was four months old and Stuart wasn't born yet. So, like, it's the only job they've ever known I've had. And so, especially in Brody's case, he doesn't, he's not a real big fan of change anyhow. And so, but anyway, they I mean, they were great, but it's just, so that was finally this, okay, that was the tipping point. I fought this thing off a good long while, and then that was, that was it. But it was after, I mean, within probably less than 60 seconds of the show going off the air. Well, I don't know how anybody's supposed to keep it together after all of that. <laughs> And we can turn this into your rant. How dare they come in there and make you cry? <laughs> yeah, I'd have been through one time. Those little punks. <laughs> I feel like the, the bad guy at the end of the Scooby Doo movie. I'd have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for you pesky kids. <laughs> Get you every time. It's been a fun episode. Again, uh, thanks to our buddy Brandon Baxter for coming in, hanging out with us. We hope. You're there watching Brandon as the in-game host coming up Saturday as the Red Wolves take on Grambling State. We'll be back to recap week one of A-State football next week here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.